This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as it is a special edition of I Work For Him. As Martha and I are on the road today to Kansas, we wanted to cover a few topics that are burning in our hearts about marriage. Pretty random topics, but things we feel are really important. You know how much we value marriage, and we want you to see that marriage was created by God, and it is really good. But it takes intentionality, and it takes work. Our country and our world have tried to diminish the significance of marriage over the past several decades, but all they've done is prove God right. Once we started destroying marriage with easy divorce, living together without a marriage commitment, sex outside of marriage, the killing of our children because of inconvenience, all this has led to a society that is out of control, grasping at anything to bring them pleasure, but all it does is bring them more misery. And that's not good. You and I know the truth. Without the living truth, everyone around us will never find peace. We find peace through repentance and surrender. And God uses marriage to refine us into his image. Stay tuned as we dig deeper into marriage today. Martha? Yes. <laughs> that was great, Jim. I figured that you were going to come right in and talk about our first topic. Well, you know, we're really, this is exciting and it's something that people may think is far away from now. But in February, the week that leads right up to Valentine's, it's um, called National Marriage Week. And there is a, this is a movement across the world. So there's actually a marriage, um, National Marriage Week USA. And so we want to highlight it because this is an, a ministry that people can get involved with at all kinds of levels. And the important thing is for people to know about it ahead of time so they can maybe try to plan something to emphasize marriage during that week. Well, and I love National Marriage Week. We've talked to Sheila Weber several times in the last several years about National Marriage Week. And really, it's a whole movement about getting our churches and our communities to celebrate marriage the way God intended it to be. And, and I love what, um, I just love what they do. And it's it's really a little known society. But, you know, I, I wanted you to hit the, I, I want to take a step back, the Bible verse that you picked out. Yes, I, I really which we're want... going to be discussing later in the show. Well, so let's let's prep it right now, this verse that you've picked up, because I really, really like it. Okay, so it's Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. And actually, a couple of years ago on our marriage cruise, um, we gave the couples um, something with this verse on it to remind them in their marriages. And that's why I thought it was so important for today as we talk about marriage. Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. And I love that verse because it really does touch what God wants to do in our lives and, and, and through marriage. I mean, marriage is one of those refining processes. You look at, I look at the amazing work that God has done in my life because of being married to you. I, I am definitely closer to the Lord because of how God has used you to refine me. And likewise, I think that that's one of the things in our marriages 
that we really just need to focus on is the fact that God uses the spouse that he's given us in order to, um, to make us stronger, to teach us the areas that we're weak and to develop them through that close relationship. So let's talk about some of the things that National Mar- Marriage Week is trying to pull off for uh, February 7th through the 14th, 2018. They've got this thing up, for, uh, up front that says, eat, talk, and play. What, what, are, what are they talking about there? Well, you know what? They're really just challenging marriages to say, hey, what are you doing in your own home um, to focus on your marriage? And so I love this. It's a very simple concept. And um, but you could do, do a big push for it for people that you know. Um, they have all kinds of resources, and that's where this came from. Is from their website, which is nationalmarriageweekusa.org. And eat, talk, play is really just okay. We all know we're going to eat every day. Eat with intentionality with your spouse. Spend time together um, at the dinner table, cooking in the kitchen, whatever it might be. But to engage in that way, and then talk. Uh, more than just talking about schedule and what do we what do we want to have for dinner let's talk about life let's talk about goals let's talk about our future and or what's going on in our hearts so they're just really encouraging that and then the last one which is something we've discussed a lot lately is the fact that we have forgotten how to just play and take that time to go and do something um, just for fun so if we were going to go play, what would that play look like to you? How about you tell me? <laughs> no, I asked the question first. So the first person who gets asked the question first, then makes the other person answer. Okay. What would you want to do if, if you wanted to just play, have play time? Because it's important we do stuff that you want to do, not just what I want to do. Well, it is important that you compromise on both sides and and um, and look at each other's interests and things like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I it can for me. It doesn't have to be extravagant. I'm happy going for a walk, sitting on the beach, um, going to a farmers market. You know, something like that. So those are things that are good for me. Well, the farmers market starts up in St. Pete pretty quick, right here in the falls. We should build. We should do that some Saturday morning very soon. Of course. Absolutely. How about you? What is playing for you? Playing for me is adventuring. You know, like I've I've always wanted to go on a kayak ride with you through the intercoastal. I've always wanted to do that. Or go across one of these local lakes in a kayak where we're protected from the alligators, but we could still (laughs) explore the lake. The alligators are kind of freaky, but they don't attack typically. Typically, so so you wouldn't be rocking the boat and trying to make no, it tip over. No. no, I wouldn't want to do that. And I don't, but I don't want to go down one of these local rivers where there's trees overhanging. You don't the water. want to? No, I don't, because in the trees there's spiders and there's snakes. But I thought you liked it when we took the boat ride through the um, Everglades. I, I did, but then I wasn't paddling. I could sit there and battle anything that attacked us. Oh, okay. Okay, so the National Marriage Week USA, found online at nationalmarriageweekusa.org. The whole idea behind this is it's a collaborative campaign to strengthen individual marriages, reduce the divorce rate, and build mm-hmm. a culture that fosters strong marriages. Because we know that marriage greatly benefits children and prevents poverty. We've talked about that on past shows with Sheila Weber. We work with any group, this is what they say, National Marriage Week USA, we work with any group or organization that has resources to strengthen marriage. Mm-hmm. Join us, host, event, host a special event, launch a marriage class, get the word out in your community during National Marriage Week USA. 
you know, one of the things that, uh, that what I like about that is in this year, we actually did it really, really good during that week. That's when our marriage cruise is. February 8th through the 12th. And this year's marriage week is uh, February 7th through the 14th. Yes. And so we so nailed it this year. We Well, sure. This is a great way for people to actually celebrate National Marriage Week. Um, one of the other things that they do on their website is they have a collaborative calendar where any marriage event or seminar can be listed. And so people can learn about that. So we actually have our marriage cruise listed on their website and again, that's nationalmarriageweekusa.org. You can see the ones from other countries, but that won't help you too much if you're not in that other country. So, What's really important about us bringing it up right now is that if you want your church to get involved in this, it's only four or five months away now, and churches often are planning a year ahead. Go to your, your pastor and say, listen, I want to help with this. This is National Marriage Week. How can I help? How can we do something specific for marriage? February 7th to the 14th in 2018, how can I help? Don't ask them to do it. Do no. not ever go to your pastor and say, hey, I got this great idea that you should do. Yeah. In fact, um, I think you should already be prepared with what you think it looks like for your community that you're involved in. I know that um, we've talked to people in the past that they set up just a strategic date night and um, and just facilitating that. So maybe it's asking the church to say, can we do some babysitting and have right. a drop-off night so people can actually go out and um, spend that time together and be able to do that with, and afford it. And, and so we're just encouraging you to approach your pastors or do something on your own. You could do this in your own home. Right. You can host a, a little, you can host a marriage retreat. You can all learn together. You can, there's so many different things. You can start a marriage class in your start home. Start a, a Bible small study. Group, a small group Bible study in your mm-hmm. home. But if you want to get your church involved, start right now. National Marriage Week USA. Dot org, nationalmarriageweekusa.org. Find some way to celebrate marriage the week before Valentine's, February 7th through the 14th. Is the 14th on a Sunday this year or something? Uh, it must be because our cruise is the 12th, 13th. Well, uh, no. no, it's a, no, must be a Saturday. The, yeah. Must be a Saturday. Okay. Sorry. Now, we've talked multiple times on the show, especially together on Tuesday shows, where we've talked about the value of marriage mentoring and mm-hmm. why we feel so strongly about it. Let's just share our first our opinions on why we think marriage mentoring is critical in the church today. Well, I think I want to go back to the conversation where um, a lot of people have this stigma that if you need help, that something is truly wrong. And all of us need help in our daily lives, no matter what it might be. If you look at how many people exercise and instead of doing it at home, they go to a gym somewhere where there's accountability, that's the, that's the um, same kind of concept as marriage mentoring because we have marriages, we want them to be stronger, but what are we doing about it to make it stronger? And so marriage mentoring is a platform where you just have another couple that comes alongside you in life to help you do it better. Well, and, and what we have seen is that in getting involved in marriage mentoring, I mean, really, we got thrust into it as we were doing, um, as we first went through Crown Financial Ministries, then we started teaching people Crown Financial Ministries, and we sat down with couples, and we realized that money was just one of the issues that they were dealing with, and they didn't have anybody to talk it through with. And, and that's really where the marriage mentoring comes in. I mean, you end up being a couple that comes alongside another couple to teach them just how to review things. And... And we've had couples come alongside us, and it's made an impact on us. And so, 
you know, it's one of those things, you know, we're not talking about you becoming a marriage counselor. Uh, I, there are some desperate needs for people to go through counseling. Uh, and one of those needs is dealing with some of those real past, significant past hurts and issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like being abused as a child or growing up in a really angry household or whatever it may be. Sometimes those things really need a counselor to talk through them to help you really dig and uh, and see what those are. But for the most part, we learn how to be married by hanging out with other married people and seeing what they do right and seeing what they do wrong and trying to reproduce it. We're, we're supposed to have learned that from our parents. And in the past, that used to be more of the case that it did happen in the home and right. through family relationships. Um, but as the family has struggled, so has that mentoring in the family um, kind of fallen. And so when there's not, especially when there's not um, an upline that can help you with your marriage and strengthening it, that's where marriage mentoring steps in and says, you know what, I we want to come alongside you. We want to encourage you and challenge you. And in the same time, that strengthens the marriage of the mentoring couple. That's That's been the hidden bonus for us. Now, our marriage isn't perfect. Understand that Martha and I don't have a perfect marriage. Well, I but it's pretty close, but because of you. And Martha's always, she's giving me this funny look when There's I do There's so many things I could say. So but. many things. <laughs> but, but I won't, and that's what makes it a stronger marriage. <laughs> but it is one of the hidden things that we didn't know. By helping other couples just walk alongside them, mm-hmm. it has really helped our marriage be unusual. Yes, unusual. Well, I don't know if that was that part was needed. <laughs> <laughs> we were unusual long before we started. But I mean, with... unusually strong. And, sure. and And as we have encountered adversity and as we have committed to walk alongside other couples, we've committed to praying more. Yes. Uh, and praying more for those couples. And that's made a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the fact that it has really blessed us at the same time. So let, let's kind of talk about what mentoring looks like. And, and I want to I want to challenge you. If, you. if you're going to a church anywhere in the country, there is there are some phenomenal marriage mentoring programs out there for churches. And the whole idea is not that the pastor has to run this. The whole idea behind these marriage mentoring programs is that um, you as a volunteer or a team of a volunteers can actually just, uh, just what's the word, uh, facilitate it. That's right. That's right. You're going to, you find a program that you think will work for your church and we're happy to give people suggestions because there are more than one that we've run into. I mean, we have one that we use, but you can't use multiples, you know, I mean, it just would be too difficult, but um, to embrace a program and then to just start using it. And and when you talk about program for marriage, we're not talking about, well, I mean, he ain't even using that word anymore, program. But what we're but talking somebody about... somebody else has figured it all out. Right. Somebody has got it figured out. It's plug and play. And it engages people that are sitting in the pews that are going, but what can I do? We're just an older married couple. We don't really have... Our kids are grown and gone and we're not plugged into the nursery. We're not plugged into the youth ministry. But they have years and years of experience. Yes. That desperately are needed by couples today who don't have people to feed into them. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that God has really given you and I is that desire to connect the generations. And there's so much that we can learn from people that have gone ahead of us. Why right. why learn that hard lesson again? And I mean again, sometimes and again. sometimes we learn best by the experience of the hard time, but if there's things that we can resource and tools so we can put in our tool belt early on in marriage, why not give people that 
added extra advantage. So I looked up recently um, what it means to mentor and it means to advise or train. And that's really what we're doing is just coming alongside and giving them a little advising and giving them a little training and saying, here's how can you do this in this situation? How can you guys come together and make a decision that's good for your marriage. Well, and when we look at advising, it's one of those things where people will, hey, you know, can I just get your perspective on this? And understand that when Martha and I share that perspective, we hope and pray that it is God's perspective. But we always tell people this is our opinion. You really need to pray about this together as a couple. And you really need to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we're praying that same thing when we're given that guidance. But it's really good to have a filter. And the Holy Spirit is our filter. He's our counselor. He's our, he's our mentor. Uh, but sometimes we have a hard time hearing them, and we can hear the Holy Spirit better through other people, and that's where that advisor can come up. But the, go ahead. So one of the things I just want to go back to why we would talk about this on I Work for Him Radio, and the fact that um, our marriages can be the loudest example of how God is working in our lives. If people around us in our workplaces see. Um, good example. See us working through those tough things because it's okay to be struggling, but to be working through it and trying to figure out what God wants you to be doing in it. And if you can live that out as an example to the people around you, what louder testimony is there of a God who loves us and has a plan for our lives? Well, and, and as our marriage is being a light in our community, it's so important because the world today is searching desperately for answers. And that's why Martha and I spend together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha focusing on marriage and relationship issues because when Christ followers all of a sudden start having marriage problems, everybody's knowing about it. And all of those non-Christ followers that are around you are going, wait a minute, if these two people can't figure it out, how are we supposed to figure it out? I mean, right. it, that's so, it, we're supposed to be an encouragement. And so that's not to say that Christ followers can't have problems with the marriage, but when they work them out instead of just dumping and divorcing. Yeah, so so changing the the perspective on mentoring too. So the couples that we work with, making sure that they're telling their kids. You know, we go to mentoring with this couple because mommy and daddy want our marriage to be strong. We want to learn how God wants us to treat each other and how we should lead this family and how we – because – that mom and dad are being an example for their kids, for their spouses. Right. And so changing that conversation to being, this is something we're doing to make our marriage better and having that conversation at work, having that conversation, you know, oh, I, I can't do this on Tuesday night because I'm going to my, my husband and I are being mentored by right. another couple and piquing people's interest. What? You're doing what? Yep. How does that work? And we share with our friends and our neighbors that say, hey, well, sorry, we can't do that. We're, we're mentoring that night. And people are like, well, what's this marriage mentoring thing all about? But we also talk about it, it's that it's advising, but also training. And, 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 you know, a lot of people think training, they're thinking jump ropes and they're thinking weightlifting and they're thinking running or some elliptical thing. And that's not our gifting. It is not our, <laughs> that is not our gifting. I could, it could use to be my gifting for sure. Martha's petite and small and she's fit, but not me anymore. Uh, but we're talking about training in that we tell couples, one of the first assignments we give them is you got to start praying together on a daily basis. That's mm. training. Practice approaching the Lord together and practice spending 15 minutes a day talking together. Mm -hmm. But I also talk about training is swinging the proverbial two by four at people because sometimes they're just being stupid and they need to be hit with the two by four. And that's training too. Learning how to block off the two by four and go, okay, fine. I won't do that anymore because I don't want you to hit me with a two by four. I mean, it's just like the wax on wax off deal. You know, you know, Mr. Miyagi was trying to, to, to train the karate kid how not to get hit. 
Mm-hmm. Don't don't get hit. Just do the homework. So, but marriage mentoring has made a huge difference in thousands and thousands of couples' lives. And, and if you want your marriage to be stronger, marriage mentoring is something you need to get involved in. Okay, Martha, you wanted to hit a, bi- a couple of Bible verses for this segment of the mm-hmm. I Work For Him show today. Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. And again, we welcome you to check out our website, IWorkForHim.com. And our Facebook page, I Work For Him, to see the things that are going on. You know, one of the things that Martha and I, you know, we've got our marriage cruise coming up in February. And, you know, last we checked, there was still two couple spots left. You never know. Those could have disappeared between the last we checked and now. But we'd love for you to get involved. But we're also thinking about how do we do some more marriage retreats, just short weekend marriage retreats right here in the Tampa Bay region and maybe in your area. If you would love for Martha and I to host a marriage retreat in your area of the country, we love to do this. We have done it so many times. Guaranteed to be laughs, guaranteed to be intense conversations, and guaranteed to be productive for your household, or, and for your marriage. We've done them across the country and other places. We love doing it. You know, contact us if you'd like to do that, right? Sure, of course. But contact Martha because she's the event planner. Martha at IWorkForHim.com. Martha at iwork, the number for him.com. Martha, the verse. Okay, so Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be, pac- be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. What a first of all, I just want to say what a great theme verse for a marriage, in my opinion. Are you done? Oh, sorry. It says be patient with each other. <laughs> you were trying to be funny. I was trying to be funny. Oh, so funny. Because that, when you talk about it, always be humble and gentle in marriage. Yeah, so often we get caught up on our own desires. <laughs> be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. But faults. Now, I mean, Martha's been making, she's got a way bigger allowance factor with me. She's constantly a, a being giving me big allowances for my faults. But it is huge that we do this. This is because this is what Christ has done for us. He set that example first, didn't he, Martha? Well, he sure did. And so I want to kind of take it, go back to each little phrase a okay, little bit you and go not ahead. get too far into I it. I promise I won't. So always be humble and gentle. Hmm. So the first word there, always. And we tell people never to use those kinds of words. No, but this would be the time when you would, because you wouldn't say, well, sometimes be gentle and humble. No, God is saying from the scripture, always be humble and gentle. And that's not easy in marriage because it's one of the things we talk (laughs) about often is that you can come home from work and your work has taken all of the humility and the gentleness you had allotted for that day in your mind, you think I can't, I can't be any more well, gentle. You, you I was come in home with customer service. Is what you're saying? Well, yeah. If you're in customer service, or you're working with a vendor, you're working with, you know, coworkers, you're working on a project, you've got kids in a preschool classroom that you're in charge of. Whew. What? God bless <laughs> okay, you. that helps you right there. Bless think about, your little heart. Think about spending time. Your whole day with those little two-year-olds that are learning how to be potty trained. <laughs> and then you come home and you're not humble and gentle with your own spouse because you were humble and gentle with those little kids all day. And that's not fair to give the leftovers to your spouse. But yet that often happens. We often give our leftovers to Correct. our spouses. Correct. So that's why I love just even thinking about that. The always Let's, let's be make humble things clear, though. I do like your leftovers. 
Um, but we're talking about food spaghetti, leftovers. Spaghetti, right. right. Oh, no, I like all your leftovers. Oh, uh, most of them. That's right. You don't like leftover turkey, honey. I do not like leftover turkey. So let's be real. You don't always like my leftovers. But we, you know, let's talk about that always thing. You know, when Martha and I are doing marriage mentoring, that's one of the things we tell couples it is never acceptable to use uh, eternal words like always, never, every time. What other kinds of words? Those are good examples. Those kind, we, to never use those words. Never yet, say never. Right. But the scripture says always. And we we struggle with that. And in our own lives, sometimes we will catch ourselves in that mode, especially when things look bad. You know, when things are down and you just feel like it's always such a struggle to do this or that or the other thing. So never do that. Okay, I'm, I get the point. Okay, Martha's talking today about, she, she picked this verse up for us. Martha's talk about, talking about it. <laughs> she is, she's in charge of this part of the conversation. <laughs> As we wanted to hit, we wanted to do a little bit, you know, we haven't really taken just it together on Tuesday's show for a really long time to just talk about some things that are on our heart. And, and Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, was just something that was really on Martha's heart and said, let's talk about this on the air today. I'm like, okay, great. Especially as we're traveling. As we travel to Kansas, we got some pretty big stuff going on in Kansas this week to be patient with each other in the car. You know, I think this is a good verse to post up places, you know, to have a reminder. That's why I love the little statue So you're going to paint it have. on our mirror in our bathroom? Uh, yeah. No, I was thinking more like the, um, you know, heads-up display on the car if there was such a way that I could you know, make it be there. Well, first we'd have to buy a car with a heads-up I understand, display. but it's not. Could you program it, it into the menu? That was my point, okay. is that it would be, you know, something like that. But I think that we all fail to spend enough time looking at the scriptures in light of our own lives. And so this verse just really, even though it's talking about the body of Christ as a whole, where does that body of Christ start? But in our own marriage. All right, got to keep going because okay. we're running out of time. Um, be patient. <laughs> That's the next part. I think that was land. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Wow. Right there. That is something that would strengthen every marriage. If we would learn to be patient with each other and make allowance for each other's faults. If our love is big enough and it should overcome all the faults. <laughs> you must have some significantly big love for me. All right, but and you talk about the being patient with each other, making each other's making allowance for each other's faults because of our love. I mean, one of the things I think we've learned the most, and I can't remember what got it started, but really, I, it probably was love and respect when we first read that book. But just learning to understand to say, "I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me." Instead of having a ridiculous conversation, we, we also determine we never have serious conversations after 9 o'clock at night because they just go on and on forever and there's never any point. When you wake up in the morning, it was pointless, completely pointless. But to just recognize, if, just humble ourselves, we start first. Don't keep fighting for your position when you're just being an idiot. Just say, I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Can we move on? I think a key to this verse also is the fact that it says make allowance for each other's faults, but that doesn't mean that I need to keep touting my fault. So you may say, you know, God, give me grace to deal with Martha's, um, you know. Incessant Diet Coke drinking? No. No. Something that's a. That's not a fault. A personality or something like that. But, but 
that doesn't mean that I should embrace that personality and say, well, that's just the way I am. No, if it's something that offends you or hurts you, I'm sorry. I need, I've done that. I apologize. <laughs> I need to learn how to ask God to change me. If it's something that is, you know, it's, it's a weakness in me, it's a fault in me, then, but that's my job to ask God to change, not yours. All right, we gotta gotta keep moving with the rest of the verse before we run out in this segment. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit. Well, how, how are you doing that? In your marriage, how are you doing it? In our marriage, we stop and pray often during the day. Now, Martha and I spend 24-7, 361 or 2. I mean, we're, we're spending almost every day of the year with each other all day long, and so often we uh, grade on each other, our faults come out, and we have to just stop and pray. And that keeps us united in spirit. And we pray for other people, not just pray for ourselves. We pray for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray for their spouses, not our grandkids' spouses, although we should. Yeah, but when you're talking about stopping and praying, that's because we're not feeling united in that moment. We we could tell the tension is there. Every effort. Every effort to keep united. Every effort. Sometimes it's a different kind of effort. But that's what scripture comes back to. And binding ourselves together with peace. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have peace in your own marriage, then you know, hey, we got issues here. Well, what, what's stealing our peace? How do we deal with this? Let's get started again. Let's figure this out. I mean, it's, I don't know. Have you ever had a problem with peace in um, this household? Yeah, pretty much every day. In, in the first segment, we talked about National Marriage Week USA. Get involved. It's February 7th through the 14th, 2018. Check it out online at nationalmarriageweekusa.org. In the second segment, we did something a little different. Just talking about marriage mentoring and why it's such a passion of ours and why you should get involved and why your church should get involved. And I think we forgot to mention this. No, we might have mentioned it. That if your church is truly interested in investing in marriages, which makes families stronger, which is really investing in children at the same time, we will sit down with your pastor, your staff, and you to help you guys get started, but it needs volunteers. Do not expect your pastor to run this, but there's plenty of people who are married in your church that can get this done. During the last segment, we dug into a little scripture. We never get to do that. Do you know that? We never get to do that. We could any time, though. We should do it more often. We do plan the shows. <laughs> yes, we do plan the shows. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, we just talked about this verse, always be humble. It's a great marriage verse. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Boy, there's a verse. I think that's probably a verse we should memorize. Memorize. I was just thinking. I'm because that works in the some, workplace too, doesn't I'm it? I'm going to look at Google images for like a, you know, print out of that scripture. Only if it involves snow in the background. No, I don't think it. I'm well, tired of being Sure, hot. I'll look for. I can't for, wait for fall. I'll and it'll get here sometime around the middle of December for about a day. <laughs> I'm really, really looking forward to it. Okay. Open those windows. We said that to close out today's show, we're going to talk about this topic, that it's cruel to expect your spouse to make you happy. That's right. I just said that it is cruel to expect your spouse to make you happy. Martha, why Why this topic? Well, I think that the very first part that we need to talk about is the fact that there is this belief that marriage is to make us happy. Like that is the purpose for marriage. Now, we want you to be happy in your marriage. I mean, that it's not, we're not going to have this discussion that says that, oh, God doesn't want you to be happy, but that's not the purpose. And it's definitely not our spouse's role, obligation, expectation for them to be the one to make you happy. So is that a good, I I think that's a good starting point. But so 
the well, reason we want to talk about it is to, well, to set a fair expectation. Well, I agree. I mean, and, and Hollywood has made it sound like, you know, well, first of all, Hollywood and Disney, they work together. And now they're all one and the same anyway. But that it's to live happily ever after with a British accent. It does that's make it, for a nice story. It's cute, but it ain't true. It ain't. It ain't true. That's what they say. Well, I think. And seriously, it's not true. Marriage isn't about making you happy, and you will not live happily ever after. You will have ups and downs. You can have an awesome marriage. I would say that we're about as close to living happily ever after every day, but we really work at this stuff. We're praying together multiple times a day. But that doesn't make every day happy. No, it's not happy. So that's the... <laughs> it's joyful. Wait a minute. What are you saying, Martha? Well, I'm just saying that there's tough days. And so this this concept of um, bliss and, you know, resolving um, or not having any conflict, you know, those are not realities. What we have seen on TV and in movies, it's nice to escape to, but the reality is we do want to get to the end of our life and be thrilled with where God has taken our marriage and the lives that we've lived for him. But this, this, it's um, kind of like I wed for him. This, what's kind of like that? Well, I don't know that, that, that we were <laughs> that was kind of a random no, thought just, in the middle of what for I was. Him. Well, no, that, that if we wed for him, yes, then it's not about making us happy. It's about making God happy in our marriage. Yes. Because it's not about making us happy. Uh, I mean, it is it is really important that we recognize that our marriages are to make us more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we look more like Jesus, it makes God happy. And it will tend to make our spouses happier because the more we focus on our relationship with him, then the better spouses we become. So I so went for him. So it's a little bit theological. And it's a Which little. Which means it's over my head. Well, we want, no, it doesn't. It just means that we're talking about this, you know, a lot of people just use the words love and happy. I'm just not happy anymore. You know, very loosely. When in in fact, what we have had some shows, we've had authors come on and talk about joy. And that the joy comes from the Lord. Well, I, I think it's just, it's important for us to understand happy. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, happy is an emotion, isn't it? Do you feel? Yeah, you feel happy. Yeah. But marriage... And that's based on circumstances. Yeah, and love so. is not about emotions. It's a commitment. I mean, at first it was emotional. But, but it's it, bigger than that. It's way bigger than, than emo- Yes, yeah. way bigger, way deeper. So we knew this would be challenging to try to, you know, really express in a short amount of time on the radio with people that can't really interact with us, but just allowing ourselves to think about the fact and saying, you know, it's not fair for me to expect you, Jim, to be my happiness. Um, and that expectation, of course, we all talk, we talk about expectations in general, just being dangerous in a, in a, in a relationship. Right. But to have this cruel expectation that you, it is your obligation to, to make me happy. Well, and I, th- I think, I, I love your point, that we have talked with more than one set of spouses that said, well, doesn't God want me to be happy in my marriage? Mm-hmm. And these are couples that are struggling. Right. Well, well, but I'm not happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Well, I think God really wants you to enjoy your life. Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and live it to the fullest. Right. 
which I think involves happiness and joy. And But we have to recognize the first part of that verse. A lot of people forget that part of the verse. Your marriage has an enemy, and it's not your spouse. Amen. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does it to your happiness. He wants to destroy your happiness. He wants you to be miserable. He wants to destroy your marriage. Why? Because every marriage the enemy destroys, he wins. Because it 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 impacts your witness. It impacts your children and your grandchildren. It, it impacts so many people around you, your friends, your family. When the enemy destroys a marriage, it impacts so many people. So it's important that we understand marriage isn't about making you happy. It's about making you more like Jesus. So I love that when you said that he he wants to disrupt our our happiness because then he knows, you know, Satan has us off of our foundation. And a couple a while back we interviewed um Stephen Brandon Lewis and talked about his their book um God's Got Your Number and the right. fact that in his life he experienced a terrible accident and was very injured, and and God has worked amazing miracles in his life. The reason I bring that up is that they, as mom and dad, explained that in that moment of him being in the hospital and being so hurt, they weren't happy, but they felt God's joy. And they can't explain it in human minds, but they had this, they had peace because of what God was doing in their life, and that gave them a joy that was very necessary to get them through. And and just, you know, wrapping your head around the fact that, okay, they may not be happy about the situation. They weren't happy that their son was injured, but God gave them a joy as they saw him working miracles in Brandon's life. You know, I, I think the, the proof is in the pudding, which I don't really understand where they came from, but we should, we probably, should, find should, out. We should probably look up where did that one come from. But we have seen that couples who experience extraordinary adversity, whether it's adversity because of a death of a child mm-hmm. or because of a death of a parent or, or infidelity or some other kind of sin issue, gambling, right. whatever it may be, uh, an addiction of some sort, that when they get dirty, get down and work on it, that there are some difficult times. There are many days of unhappiness, but in the end, they find joy in the Lord while working through it. Mm-hmm. And they're stronger. Uh, way stronger. And then they, God always uses that testimony mm-hmm. to inspire and influence others. Mm-hmm. And, our, and, and we just need to understand, when you get married, it's no longer about you. I mean, does, doesn't God want you to be happy? Yeah, but marriage isn't about you. You give 100% at the altar. You're saying, hey, for better or for worse, did you guys forget that? In rich or poor, well, did you forget that part? In sickness and in health, did you forget that part? So just going back to the premise of this segment is to say that it's cruel to expect that of you is that, you know, we don't want to do cruel things to our spouse. And for me to expect you to be my happiness and how never cruel that really is. And that can become a, a roadblock that can become a barrier in a relationship. So um, we just want to encourage people to look beyond that. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those impossible things. I can never make Martha happy all of the time. In fact, I... I I'm not sure. Oh, stop. Do I succeed in making you happy any of the time, honey? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. I'm working on it every day. But it is really important for us to understand that marriage is to make you more like Jesus. God uses your spouse to refine you, to make you look more like Jesus each and every day. It's so important. So just take all the thoughts from today's show 
and mull on them a little bit. I think that Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 verse, something everybody should be memorizing. And also check out nationalmarriageweekusa.org. Get involved at your church. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I I work work for him. him.